My name is Ben. I am the youth pastor here. It's a privilege on Friday night. I get to lead our youth ministry. Special welcome to those online, Pastor Dave and Robin, who are listening at home. Brian actually said in the first service, preach it, Dave. I think he got a little bit confused, but they're on holiday. They're having an amazing time resting up, refueling for the new year. And we can't wait for what God has in store for our church. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever gone and you went along with somebody and you might have been with one person or a group of people and suddenly you realized that they could do something that you couldn't? Maybe they were a little bit more experienced or had more ability at something specific than you. You see, when I first came to be a part of the team here at church, I got my leg twisted and got convinced to go along to work out with a few of the lads here at church in what we call the shepherd's house of prayer and pain. And we would work out, we'd have a great time, and it's safe to say when I started going along, I brought the average age down significantly. But, you see, every now and then... We wouldn't meet and Jim would get cancelled. And for me, that just meant I didn't work out for that week. But there was something different for the rest of the men. You see, they were working out on other nights during the week. And if we didn't meet, they were still working out. And this was quite apparent when I started bench pressing and not compared myself, but just noticed what everyone else could do, but what I couldn't. And it was even more humbling when two of our youth, Josh and Tommy, started coming along, who were significantly younger than I am, and I noticed how much they could lift and what I couldn't do, and all of a sudden I realized everyone else was doing something in private that I was not. And this morning I want to speak about what does it mean to be prepared in private, that there's something to this in our walk with God. There's something that's in our faith that dictates our faith when we're prepared in private. I wholeheartedly believe that God actually cares more about how we act when no one else is around than compared to when we are in the public life. Our private life is so much more important than our public life. This is where we are prepared. This is where he builds our character. As Brian powerfully shared from 1 Samuel. We're going to jump there right now and pick up the story in Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his height or appearance, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God was speaking a different story, a different narrative over the people of Israel. They had King Saul, who was chosen by the people, but God wanted to change their story, their history. And he was speaking through the prophet Samuel and anointing and appointing a different king over Israel. And as Brian shared, that all their sons were presented before. And Samuel said, no, it's not him. 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 Is this all the sons you have, he said to Jesse? And Jesse says, no, actually, I've got one more son, and he's out in the fields. He's out looking after the sheep. 
And Samuel said, well, we won't sit down until he comes back and he brings David back and Samuel says, this is the king over Israel. And then they anointed and appointed him. But what's quite profound is this was in a private setting, only their family around, and King Saul didn't even know what was happening. When no one else was around, he was appointed the king and he didn't take the throne straight away. He had to be patient in private and he had to seek out God and be faithful before his time came. God sees things differently. He views our situation. Because of Saul's disobedience and unfaithfulness to God, he was choosing another king, someone from a different family line than his own. Then we read chapter 17, and we need to read chapter 17 in light of chapter 16, because we've just seen what's happened. We've just seen that David's been anointed and appointed, but he hasn't taken the throne yet. And that's where we pick up in chapter 17. And in chapter 17, the Philistines, the Philistines are against the Israelites. And Goliath is making these threats that he's going to overthrow their land. And they need to find a warrior, someone who's going to verse him one-on-one to defeat him. And if that warrior can defeat him, the Philistines will not attack. They will not prevail. They will not go through the land that's the Israelites, the land that God's given them. But it's interesting because David wasn't chosen to be on the front line. His brothers were there. His brothers were geared up. They had all the armor. They looked apart and they were on the front line. They were on the front line ready, ready if the Philistines were going to attack. But where was David? He was doing his thing in the fields, being faithful to what God had entrusted him to, being faithful to what his family had asked of him. And then Jesse says, can you, Jesse, his father, just says, can you take some food to your brothers? Just check up on them, see, see how they're going on the battle line. And that's where we pick up 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23 to 24. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Further on, verse 32 to 37, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both bear and lion. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So we see David up against Goliath. But what David had to share to Saul was King Saul at the time was actually, no, I can do this. Why? Because you haven't seen me in the fields. When I was in private, when I was protecting my sheep, I prepared myself for this moment. I was fighting off both bears and lions. The God, my God that I serve protected me. He was faithful to me in private. So I know I'm more than able, I'm more than equipped to defeat this ungodly Philistine. So we hear the story later on in the chapter. There's David. 
He wants to fight with his sling and King Saul says, no, no, I'll put a whole heap of armor on you. I'll make you look like everyone else so you can sort of fit the part of a soldier. And he tries all the armor on. It's way too heavy. So he throws it back off and he gets his sling and it says he took some small, smooth stones. He took some smooth stones because he knew what he was doing. And he gets his sling and there's Goliath who's a fair way away from him. And Goliath's thinking to himself, who is this pleb? Who is this tiny warrior? I don't think he's even a warrior. And you can see in this moment that Goliath's a little bit offended. Like, is this all you have, Israel? Is this who you've chosen? And then there's David, who stands there unwavered, because he knows that God is on his side. He's done this before. He's fought off bears. He's fought off lions. And he's got his sling. And he slings it round and round and flicks a stone towards Goliath. Hits him in the head. Goliath is stunned. He falls on the ground. David goes and gets his sword, Goliath's sword, and finishes the job, prevailing for all of Israel. Why is this story so profound? Because David was doing something when no one else was around. Something that nobody else saw. Everyone else thought he was ill-equipped. Everyone else thought he didn't stand a chance. But David knew something that no one else knew. He knew that the God he served is faithful. And he'd been drawing from the source, the well that never runs dry. And he knew that he was more than able. He knew that he was more than equipped to conquer Goliath because God was on his side. And it's the truth for us. What if we could be prepared in private like David? Our biggest battles, the hardest trials, the heaviest temptations are won where? In private. When we seek the face of God. When we don't feel like worshipping, but we choose to anyway. When we get frustrated and we might get angry at someone in the car, but instead we choose to take that to Christ in prayer. When no one's watching, when we're alone, and we choose to be obedient to God and follow what He has for us. I love my football and I love on the AFL grand final day we see the two best sides in the competition go up against one another. But you see no one takes into account what that team has done during pre-season, what that team has done in the years before, the momentum that they've had to reach this point. Grand final day we just see the tip of the iceberg, the tip of what we see in the here and now in the public realm. But these two teams have been preparing for all that year, for the years before, preparing physically, mentally, tactically for this one point in time at the end of September. This is the same for us in our relationship with God. I'll never forget the first time I got to preach. I was... At my old youth group, and I wish I had the photo up on the screen, but if you saw it, you could see a lot of acne on my face. You could see my hair was super buffy. And I remember after speaking a word that I felt God had put on my heart, my youth pastor called out something in me. He called out a gift that I felt, he felt that God had given me, and I was pumped. I was ready to preach God's word anywhere and everywhere. I was excited. I was ready for my next opportunity But for the next four years, I barely spoke anywhere. For the next four years, God had other plans in mind. So for the next four years, 
I ministered and I mentored a group of young teenage boys. And then I did some ministry in America. And once again, I was thinking, God, this is my opportunity now. This is what I've been waiting for. But for three and a half months, once again, I had my cabin of boys and I led Bible studies and it was just me and them. And that's where God was preparing me in private, when no one else was around, but when it was just me and these young boys, and God was saying, no, that's where I want you to minister. Not when everyone's watching, not on the public realm, not on the platform, but I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you in private. And that was something that was so, so important for me. But for all of us, do we have the humility to be prepared in private? This is the most important thing because this is where we find our strength, in private. So let's realize in our lives, our private choices set us up for demise or success. The decisions we choose in private shape our future, for better or for worse. And that can be a little bit of a scary thought. They shape our future jobs, our relationships, our perspective, our outlook on life, our attitudes, our assumptions. This becomes our patterns. But because of David's faithfulness to God in private, he began with such humility and strength. The beginning of his reign was one of such success because of his private life. But our private life doesn't actually have to be a scary thought because this is the posture and position which we receive our greatest strength. That this is actually our weapon when we are alone with God, when it's just him and us. This is where we need to find our strength. This is where actually we get to remember the cross and the resurrection. This is where we experience our liberation, where we receive our freedom and actually equips us and empowers us for our life here on earth. Our strength starts in solitude. How does your private life align with your public life? What does God want to do in your private life? How does he want you to align your private life for what he has called you into? I was driving this morning on the way to church and I was listening to a Christian book and it said this. I love this, so I thought I had to share it this morning. So I pulled over and I wrote this down. It's a quote on our thought life and our patterns. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. A friend once asked me, how does my brother remember so much scripture? How can he give these answers based on the Bible? How can he recite and memorize and quote so much scripture? But you see, in private, they hadn't seen what he was doing. They hadn't seen him day and night. They hadn't seen the roof of his bedroom that was littered with scripture. They hadn't seen the words on his wall that he was memorizing day and night. Another friend of mine had said, how cool is it for my uncle to come to Christ? And we were celebrating. God did something that only he could do. We saw so many miracles, so many strongholds broken in his life. But you see, once again, they didn't know my nana. My nana who was believing and praying for this moment for 40 years for my uncle to come back to Christ. For 40 years she was on her knees prophesying and believing that he would come back. But you see the same is true on the other end of the spectrum. I can't believe he did that to me. I can't believe he acted in such a way. I can't believe they said that to me. What's 
not really much of a surprise if you knew what they were doing in private. They're not in the Word, but in the world. They're not reading their Word, but instead they're looking at things that is only bringing destruction and pain into their lives. Our faith and our relationship needs to start in private. We can't live our faith through anyone else. But as Christians, our private life becomes our greatest weapon. You look at the life of Jesus, and for 30 years, there's two stories in the Bible about what Jesus did. For 30 years, we don't really know. This side of heaven, we don't know what Jesus did for 30 years. And then for three or four years, he had a public ministry where he was explaining, proclaiming that he was the son of God. But even in those three and four years, we see something quite amazing, that he constantly took time aside. He went to the mountainside to be with his heavenly father. He spent time on his knees. He spent time in prayer. He went away from the normal There was so much need, so much he could be doing. But he took time out in private to be alone. And he showed his disciples this pattern. And he's showing our church, he's showing us this pattern. Ephesians chapter 6, I want us to turn to. I'm just going to read a few inserts from it. You can go home and read the whole thing for yourself. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 onwards speaks about the armor of God, speaks about how we can be equipped, how we can be empowered. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The word of God is our weapon. The sword is our weapon. And don't give up praying for God's people, journeying with others, believing for Christ to do what only he can do. Let me illustrate this. My family has been over our house for the last few weeks, which has been awesome there was only one night where I was kicked out of my room. I felt like I was old enough not to be kicked out of my room, but when you got like seven people living with us, I just, I still the youngest in my family, so I had to cop that one. But my brother and my sister-in-law have been over from Mount Gambia, and me and my middle brother love to go on adventures. And my older brother, not so much. The eldest one, he's a bit boring, so we left him at home. He's probably listening on the live stream. We left him at home. And we decided we would take up a bit of a challenge. And we'd love going swimming in the Onkapringa Gorge. And we thought, hmm, where does this gorge start? Where does this gorge finish? So it starts somewhere near Clarendon Bakery, and it finishes at Port Lunga at the beach. We looked it up, and I'd never heard of anyone who'd done it. And there was a few trails in some parts of the way, but we thought, why not? We'll just follow the water and we'll head all the way through. So we started the journey, we're having a great time, and it was awesome. And my brother, he loves birds, he loves birding. And there'll be times in the sto- it's times on the walk and the journey, he would just start looking up. Oh, Ben, stop. I can, I can hear this. 
I can hear a bird say, oh, I haven't heard this call before. Oh, what's this? And then every now and then he would be walking and he would like hit into a thorn bush or, thorn bush or a cactus or something because he was desperate to see various different birds along the journey. And to his credit, we did see some cool birds. We saw, I'm just going to get this right, a peregrine falcon, a crested striped tit, a wedge-tailed eagle, uh, a European goldfinch, uh, a crescent honey-eater, and it was pretty cool to see these birds. And You know, when someone else is excited, you go, oh, yeah, you know, it's sort of exciting for you too as well. But what we also saw was a two-metre-long red-bellied black snake, and that was also cool, and we weren't really that close to it. But this week, I've started watching some snake and eagle videos. And it's really cool to see an eagle go up against a snake. Who would win? This huge wedge-tailed eagle or this deadly venomous snake? And there's a cool video on YouTube where it's in Australia where this wedge-tailed eagle has this big brown snake and is flying across a road and gets scared and flings the snake onto a car's windshield and immediately it dies and gets killed by the car. And then there's also a video I saw where there's lots of eagles and snakes on this island and there's some coral reef around the island and lots of the snakes go on the island and go through the reef but when they're swimming in the water, they have to come up for air at some point. And this is where the eagles prey around and that's where they're ready to go and take the snake out of the water and into the air. Because what happens? When the eagle has the snake in the air, it has the victory. But when the eagle's up against the snake on the ground, it doesn't know what to do. I watched this one video where for eight minutes, it's just back and forth, back and forth. And you're like, do something, eagle. But when the eagle takes the snake in the air, it has the victory. The snake doesn't stand a chance. And it's the same for us in our journey, in our faith. When we take what we're battling through, what we take when we're struggling, the situation and the circumstances that we might be going through, when we take that to God in prayer, when we take that to God in our private life, it's like us as the eagle taking the snake into the air, knowing that we have the victory, we have we will triumph in Christ because of what he has done for us on our behalf, because of what Sarah spoke about, the access that we have to God through Christ. Our private life is our weapon. This is when we find our victory. Today and forevermore, we need to choose this for ourselves. I don't know what this looks like for you personally. Maybe it's saying, I'm not going to have my phone in my bedroom anymore because that's my time where I'm reading my word. Maybe you are saying, actually, when I'm driving to work now, it's a half an hour trip, I'm going to download some Christian books and I'm going to listen to this. Or you're going to say, actually, when I'm driving, that's my time where I'm going to take things to God. I'm going to be fierce in prayer. I'm just going to declare some things when it's just me and him in the car trip. Or you might need to find a quiet spot. Maybe there's a national park near you or maybe there's just somewhere where you can go, where you can be alone and to hear the voice of God, to actually let his mercies, his grace wash over you day by day, or version Bible app has some amazing devotionals, Bible plans. There's so many things available for us to prepare ourselves in private. Let me pray. 
Father, just thank you for what you've done through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the example that you have set in the pages of Scripture. Thank you that we get to look at the life of David, a man who in the world's eyes seems so unequipped. He stood no chance, but we know through you, through his faithfulness to you, he was more than able. He was more than empowered. He was more than equipped. So we just declare that right now over each and every one of us, Father. We know that it's only a matter of time before our private lives invade our public lives. So, Father, we just choose you in this moment, and we choose you day by day. And, Father, speak to us in our private time. Speak to us when it's only you and us. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.